416-216-5910 is the number anytime to get a hold of Savannah. You can go to help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Uh, tons of stuff to get through today. And we will start uh, with the week that was. Well, John, mm-hmm. it's been, again, a very busy week. Uh, and I, I do have to credit some of the websites that we've put out there for people to get really important information about long-term disability and injury claims. The website is called mydisabilityquestions.com. It's free to use. Uh, you know, you can put your name or you don't have to put your name, whatever you want, but you put in your question about long-term disability, uh, and then I answer it literally within minutes, and it's open to everyone. So let's read some of the questions that I've received uh, that not all of our listeners have had mm-hmm. an opportunity to read uh, the questions and the responses. So this one came from Gail in Brampton. Uh, this was uh, back uh, February 8th, and she writes, how long do you have to fight a cancellation of disability benefits in Ontario? Now, let's assume that she's talking about long-term disability right. because there's different kinds of disability. There is ODSP, there is CPP disability, there is a whole bunch of other things. Long-term disability, the general rule is that it's two years from the time you are cut off or denied disability. Now, remember, sometimes people don't listen to me, and they try to appeal the decision, and they get denied. They'll get denied, let's say, three months after their initial denial, right? They yeah. get denied for the appeal. So there's an argument as to whether or not that two-year clock starts ticking. At that point. At that point. But I usually tell people, don't take a chance. Yeah. Assume it's two years from the date that you first got denied or cut off. Makes sense. And you know that doesn't mean that you have to wait those two years. In fact, you should not wait those two years for a very simple reason. If your benefits are taxable and you wait those two years and then you come to me, and I end up getting those two years for you, like right? Retroactively? Retroactively, yeah. The insurance company ends up paying you those two years. Well, guess what? If they're taxable, now you're going to have to pay tax on those two yeah, years. You get hit. Whereas if we were able to start the claim much earlier and attribute uh, a good chunk of your LTD settlement to future LTD, that portion is not taxable. Moving forward, not taxable. Exactly. Right. So make sure you contact me ASAP if you are denied or cut off disability, long-term disability. <laughs> Let's go to another question. This one came from Vera uh, in Toronto, and uh, she writes, does a long-term disability claim uh, accept reports from a chiropractor? Uh, She tore her ligaments uh, at at various levels. Uh, She says, I am guided uh, by a neurologist uh, and what appears to be here, a psychologist. Mm. Uh, She says mainly, but a chiropractor is treating my injury. So her question is, can I simply submit the reports of a chiropractor in support of my long-term disability claim? The response is, yes, of course, you can provide chiropractor reports, you can provide social worker reports, psychologist reports. It doesn't have to be an MD. The reality, however, is that from the insurance company's perspective, they view an MD as being the end all and be all. That's not to say that a psychologist is any less qualified to provide an opinion than a psychiatrist, a psychiatrist being a medical doctor. But from the insurance company's perspective, and again, it's not a general rule, uh, but quite often, quite often, the insurance company will want to see some opinions from a medical doctor. So certainly provide the chiropractor's report, Vera, uh, but you know, if you do have a neurologist, if you have a psychologist or a physiatrist or whoever else you have that's treating you, if they can bolster that support, that opinion that the chiropractor is providing, okay. your claim is going to be that much stronger. Okay, So it's not a black and white answer. There are shades of gray here. Just make sure you provide as much support uh, for your claim as possible, be it from an MD or a non-MD practitioner. Gotcha. Let's go through another question. 
This person writes, her name is Mary. Uh, she writes, I am on long-term disability with, uh, she gives me the name of the uh, insurance company, and she says, she asks, can I leave the country for six months? And I get these questions a lot. When people say, I'm on long-term disability, can I leave the province? Can I leave the country? For whatever reason. Some reasons are for therapeutic purposes. Perhaps there's a treatment in a different country that they want to access. Sometimes it's because there's a tragedy, a funeral or something. The question is, can I leave the country? My answer is this. Look at your specific policy. Some LTD policies contain strict provisions that say that in the event that you are out of the country, your coverage may be compromised. So at the very least, I tell you, check your policy, see if there are any provisions, and it's going to be in black and white. It's going to tell you, you can or cannot leave or be in the country, in this country, in Canada, uh, while you're receiving LTD. And if you still don't feel comfortable with what you read, then talk to the adjuster and confirm in writing if the adjuster tells you that it's okay for you to go. Very, very, very important, okay? Another question. I get this from uh, Dortha, uh, and she writes, uh, is long-term disability benefits taxable? I guess the question is, are they taxable? And the answer is, it depends. If you as an employee paid for your LTD coverage while you were employed, if you essentially paid 100% of the premiums, your benefits will not be taxable. If, however, your employer contributed or paid in full for those uh, for the coverage, and then you're accessing the benefits, you are going to be taxed on those benefits. But again, remember, if you get cut off or if you get denied LTD and we file a claim for you and we enter into some kind of a settlement that contains a retroactive portion yeah. and a future portion of your benefits, the future will not be taxable, whereas the past may be taxable, again, depending on whether or not you paid 100% of the premiums for your coverage. And don't, don't appeal. Just call you first. Do not appeal. Please, don't appeal. Do not, I, I, I can't tell you, John, how many times people call me after they've listened to the show quite a few times and they tell me, you know, we hear what you say, Sivan, but we thought we'll just appeal. We thought perhaps we can get another doctor's letter to bolster our position. And then they get frustrated and they're shocked. They're, they just don't understand why it is that, you know, this new information didn't persuade right. the same people that cut them off in the first place. You know, and I tell them, well, listen, okay, you did what you did. Let's move on. Let's not take any more detours. Let's start a claim and let's get you the compensation you deserve. 416-216-5910 is the number. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And you check out some of those questions. You can lay down your own as well. It is mydisabilityquestions.com. Lots more of the insurance and injury law show coming right up. Talk radio, AM640. 416-216-5910 is the number. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca through email. And we're getting through a bunch of your questions on mydisabilityquestions.com. You get them. They will be answered promptly by Savannah. We're going to uh, get to a few more right here uh, on the radio. What else uh, What else you got, pal? All right. So I got this question from Marianne, uh, and here's what she writes. She says, where can I find information about how often claims against the insurance company actually result in complete reinstatement of LTD benefits? Mm-hmm. It's not something either the insurance company or my lawyer uh, is likely to reveal. I need to know my chances of reinstatement before I agree to sit here with no income uh, for another 18 months. So an interesting question. So first of all, where do you find this information? Well, you can just call me or email me and ask me and I will tell you. Now, uh, remember that reinstatement of benefits, what does that mean? We're assuming here in Marianne's case that she was cut off or denied benefits, presumably cut off because she's talking about a reinstatement, meaning that she received LTD benefits and she wants to get reinstated. For whatever reason, they cut her off. She wants to get back on the benefits. 
I'm not sure if she actually had a thorough conversation with her lawyer as to what reinstatement really means. Think about it this way. Whenever you receive benefits, LTD benefits from your insurance company, there is essentially an umbilical cord between you and the insurance company. Okay, The money passes to you on a monthly basis. Once you get cut off, they are cutting off that umbilical cord. The question then becomes, through the claims process, right, by filing a claim, by starting a claim, which is what I'm telling people that they should be doing, no. the question is, is it better to have a lump sum settlement where we look at the retroactive amount and a future amount, lump them together and give that to an individual, and the umbilical cord is still severed, meaning mm-hmm. we, we stop the relationship, right? Everybody goes their own way. My client gets her money or her, uh, his money, money. Yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and the insurance company goes their way? Or do we create a situation where uh, the person gets the retroactive amount and then continues getting these benefits on a monthly basis? It's impossible to know, based on her question, what the actual issues are, which is why I tell people that if you have these kinds of questions, email me directly or you know, go to a fightformyltd.com website, right. and, and I can help you with that. But you know, understand this. If you are reinstated, uh, on LTD, there's nothing stopping the insurance company a few months down the road or a year or two years down the road from cutting you off again. Sure. Now, there are pros and cons for being on LTD, uh, being reinstated, and there are pros and cons for obviously getting a lump sum amount. Those are specific questions that need to be discussed between the individual and uh, the lawyer. It's concerning to me here that clearly that conversation did not take place. And the reason I'm outlining this question and talking about it is because this lady did not have to go on my website. I'm glad she did. But, you know, if she goes on my website and, and puts this questions, uh, writes this question down, clearly she's not able to get the answers that she's looking for from her lawyer. So make sure that if you go to an LTD lawyer, you get the answers you're asking for. There shouldn't be no gray areas. Once you give your information, the lawyer should be able to provide you with, you know, the possibilities. The lawyer here will not be able to tell her, look, I can force the insurance company to reinstate you because you cannot force an insurance company to reinstate benefits unless you go all the way to court and get a judge to order that. But most of these cases never get to that point. The likely scenario is that at some point down the road, they're going to go into a mediation or have a settlement conference, and there's going to be a discussion. Are we going to settle the entire case on a lump sum basis, or are we going to pay retroactive and reinstate? But there has to be that agreement from the insurance company to do that. So very important to understand that. And Alfie, you often said, and we, you, know, you like to hammer home that people are scared to start claims because they don't want to you know, have that day in court. Very rarely does it go it's to court. It's extremely rare. It's, it's very expensive. It's cumbersome. 100%. And, and listen, if we have to go to court, we go to court. But I, that's not what generally happens. I mean, what happens on TV and what you see on TV is not real life. It's just not the case. Insurance companies are not in the business of fighting these fights in court. For two reasons. Number one, it's very, very expensive. And number two, it's uncertainty. They don't want to go to court and take their chances, pay their lawyer, and then lose at the end. They don't want to do that. So that's why most of these cases resolve without court. Let's go to one other interesting question. Uh, And this one deals with uh, uh, treatments. So this person, her name is Kathy from uh, Oakville. Uh, She writes, I was injured in an accident three years ago. I've been dealing with chronic pain and depression ever since. I've been approved for CPP disability, and I'm on LTD. I've tried physio uh, and various other things to get better, but nothing has helped. My family is suggesting that I go to a nearby gym to try and do some activities, like uh, go on the treadmill. Now, she says, I'm worried that if I do this and someone sees me, I will be cut off off of everything. Presumably, she's talking about LTD, because if I can go to the gym, I can go to work. 
Now, I would, she says, I would not be doing any heavy lifting, weights, etc., just some light exercises, if and when I could. And then she writes, do you think that would be a mistake? So my answer is this. First of all, and I keep saying it over and over and over, the number th- one thing that's the most important um, uh, issue for any person on disability or is injured is to get better. The legalities aside, you want to get better. No, yeah. no amount of money is going to compensate you for, for what you're going through physically, mentally, emotionally, etc. So here's how I answer this question. I said, well, once you go to your doctor, speak with your doctor, see if your doctor recommends that you go to the gym, make sure that's noted that your doctor agrees that this is a good uh, idea, that this in fact may help you, and that way you have medical backing. And if anybody, quote unquote, sees you, if the insurance company takes the position that, oh, well, look, you know, you're at the gym, you're doing X, Y, and Z, you have an explanation. My doctor, I spoke with my doctor, I'm trying to mitigate, I'm trying to get better, I'm not going to the gym just to have fun, right? I'm not, you know, going there to just chat with people and do whatever. I'm going there to try and get better. And look, I have the medical proof, my doctor wrote a note or a report or whatever, uh, and as far as I'm concerned, doing that, uh, you know, you're basically fulfilling what you want, what you know you'd like to do, which is try to get better by going to the gym, and at the same time protecting yourself in the event that the insurance company right. takes an adverse position. Four one six two one six fifty nine ten, and all these uh, questions and inquiries are from mydisabilityquestions.com. You can check that out. You want to send an uh, old school email to Savannah as well? You can do that. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. More the insurance and injury law show. It's talk radio AM six forty. 416-216-5910. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. That is the email address. We'll uh, machete our way through a few of these. We'll get to one from Cheryl here from Belleville. Says, my father was uh, denied long-term disability claim because the insurance company said that the doctors haven't diagnosed him with a disability. But that's not true. They're not sure exactly why he has memory issues and can't concentrate. But all the specialists he has seen say he can't work because of these symptoms. We've uh, appealed the denial. There you go. And gave them another specialist report, but he was denied again. Should we get another specialist and appeal again? It's very frustrating. Yes. No. Well, it's very frustrating <laughs> yeah. because I, I keep saying these appeals, for the most part, are useless. Uh, they are detours. They're not going to get you anywhere. Um, and, and, you know, it's a, waste of, it's a waste of time as far as I'm concerned. Cheryl, my advice is this. Uh, contact me off air. I can help your father. If the specialists that are treating your father are adamant and they're conclusive in their opinions that his symptoms are preventing him from work for the foreseeable future, then he has a case. It's that simple. I'm, I'm not really understanding. And, you know, I see this a lot, John. Insurance companies sometimes take um, very, very illogical positions. Forget about the unethical aspect of denying legitimate claims. The, the, just the logic. And, you know, uh, when, when I file a claim, and this has happened to me quite a few times. In fact, it happened last week. Uh, I file a claim, and I get a defense lawyer assigned to defend the insurance company. And then I have a quick phone chat with the defense lawyer. And we talk off the record. Right? I'm not mentioning any names here, so I'm not breaching any of those obligations. But we talk off the record. And they admit to me that really they don't understand why the claim was denied. And, and and you know, they're reasonable in their approach and they're not looking at any new documents. You know, it's the same documents that the adjuster was looking at. And what happens then is that we end up uh, coming to some kind of a compromise. We end up resolving the case. If not now, then a month or two months from now, but we end up resolving the case and it's not unusual. Uh, and, and so that's one of the reasons why I say that 
you know, filing a claim, when I start a claim, that forces the insurance company to get a defense lawyer, a lawyer, somebody who actually understands the legal ramifications of the insurance company's position on the file, someone with a fresh pair of eyes that has a legal background and knowledge and understands that if we went to court, it would not bode well for the insurance company. And that's when we get down to talking about a reasonable compromise. Everyone has a certain risk when they start a claim, meaning, you know, even though I say to my client, look, you have a fantastic case, I will never tell my client it's bulletproof because there is no such thing as a bulletproof case. Yeah. The insurance company still believes that they are right. And I don't know, maybe if this went to court, in an, you know, there would be some kind of a, I don't know, a situation where they, 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 they perhaps would win, but it's very unlikely if I'm telling you that I'm looking at those documents and everyone's saying you're disabled and it's just the insurance company that says that you're not. So, you know, generally speaking, the defense lawyers and I, uh, see it eye to eye. Uh, we may have slight differences, but we can come to a compromise. And that's why I say that these appeals don't work. They're a waste of time. Uh, let's just get down to business. And Shell, that's what I'm saying. Get back to me after the show, and I'll help your father. And I can tell you, we will resolve his claim. 416-216-5910 is that number. The email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Dan from uh, Thunder Bay writes in, says, my wife's LTD claim was denied. And we appealed the denial twice. It's denial day here on the show. <laughs> yeah. uh, she doesn't want to start a legal claim because she thinks she will just be denied yet again. What do you think? I think you're right, Dan. And we just dealt with this and we'll yeah. continue to deal with this because yeah. I think people are uh, – people – listen, I'm a lawyer, right? And inherently people don't trust lawyers, unfortunately. Uh, and and there, there are various reasons for that. But – I'm telling you, it's the same story over and over and over. If you're going to try and appeal your decision, well, let's let's put it that way. You want to appeal your decision? Email me. Let me review your appeal material. At least let me see if there are any holes that I can close for you. Uh, I won't charge you anything for that. But the reality is uh, that if you appeal, I'm telling you that in my view, uh, generally speaking, over 90%, higher than that even, 95% chance that you will not succeed in your appeal and it's just going to get dragged on and you're going to come back to me and say, okay, what do we do now? If you haven't gone to the website, the Injury Calculator, go to injurycalculator.ca, find out what your pain and suffering could be worth. It's a a wonderful tool. We'll get to that in the next segment. Uh, Emails from Sandra says uh, here from London, my father-in-law was in a bad car accident about a year ago. He broke his pelvis and was at the hospital for a month and now we take care of him uh, at work before the accident, he babysat my kids in three afternoons uh, or in the afternoons. And after the accident, we had to hire a babysitter and still do. It's rough, man. Can we get to reimburse from anyone for our expenses? Uh, yes, yeah. Andrew, you do. Uh, so a few issues here. Number one, um, clearly your father-in-law uh, is entitled to compensation for his broken pelvis. And as John uh, mentioned, you can go to the injurycalculator.ca website, free and anonymous, and it'll tell you how much compensation approximately he can uh, be looking at from a pain and suffering standpoint. Um, and, and like I said, free and anonymous. If you want to contact me after you get that information, that's up to you. Uh, but in terms of the expenses, in personal injury claims in Ontario, under the Family Law Act, Section 61, family members are entitled to, they're allowed to bring derivative claims. Derivative meaning that they are not the injured people, but their close family member was injured. So therefore, 
if they suffer the loss like Sandra did here, and what's the loss here? The loss is that she now has an out-of-pocket expense, mm-hmm. right, of this babysitter that otherwise she would not have had. Uh, she's entitled to bring a claim for those expenses against the at-fault driver so that his or her insurance company would have to compensate Sandra in addition to compensating her father-in-law for the broken pelvis. So very, very important. And, and you know, there's another thing here to mention. She mentioned that her father-in-law, uh, now they have to take care of him. Right. So not only can she get compensation for the out-of-pocket expenses for paying for a babysitter because her father-in-law can't help anymore, but the fact that they are now spending time caring for him, for her father-in-law, that's also compensable under six, uh, Section 61 of the Family Law Act. So very, very important to understand that when someone gets injured, there could be other claims in addition to the actual person who's injured and right. in addition to the expenses that the family members are incurring. We mentioned the injury calculator. We'll get to that as soon as we come back from a short break, tell you how it works. It's uh, fantastic. The number 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. More the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Talk Radio, AM 640. 416-216-5910 is the number and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. First, I mentioned, uh, Savan, we'll get to the injury calculator. I know you love this one. I do. It's, uh, it's a very interesting tool that we created a long time ago uh, and have been updating it. And what it is, is it's an anonymous and free site for people uh, across Ontario to be able to go to if they have been injured through no fault of their own, so you slip and fall on ice because someone didn't maintain the area, or you were uh, struck by another car, or you were on a bicycle and you collided with a car that was making a wrong turn, something like that where it's not your fault but you're injured, and you want to know, does it make sense for me to start a claim, a legal claim? What, what am I looking at in terms of compensation for my pain and suffering? You can go to this website and you enter a few key pieces of information, such as the date of the accident, the type of injury, the severity of the injury, etc. It literally takes you about 20 seconds to do, 20, 25 seconds. And then at the end, the uh, website, the calculator, goes through an algorithm and searches a database of cases that we have inputted from across the country, across Canada, where there have been other people uh, who have uh, had claims of a similar nature, similar injuries, and the calculator basically picks out those cases with similar injuries, similar parameters, and tells you, based on a review of the Canadian cases, this is the range of, of pain and suffering damages you could be looking at. So you can be looking at, for an ankle injury, for example, thirty to $50,000, depending on the severity of the injury, if it's a fracture or if it's a tendon that was torn, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Maybe that's for, you know, you're looking for a back injury or a torn shoulder, a concussion, you know, all this kind of stuff, it's all there. But what's important to understand is that this calculator, even though it gives you this information for pain and suffering, it does not give you the information that you may need to figure out what is the totality of the claim worth, right? You may have an ankle injury, but if you're a general laborer and you can't go back to work, for let's say a few years, as an example, well, you may have an income loss claim that dwarfs the pain and suffering claim. So perhaps your ankle injury is worth $30,000, but your income loss claim is worth 100,000. That's why it's very, very important that after you use the calculator, you click that little submit button at the end that says, you know, request a consultation because then I get that information and then we have a communication where I ask you more questions 
specific to your case, and then I can give you a proper assessment of, of what, what you could be looking at. But at least that tool is anonymous. You don't have to contact me. I mean, if, if you basically get the result and shut down your browser or, or the website, I, I would never know you were there, right? So it's a free and anonymous website. It's one of a kind in Canada as far as I know. And uh, it's fantastic. It's been used by so many people, John. It's yeah. just crazy. It's 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 been really widely used. Injurycalculator.ca is at uh, that website. Len from Oshawa writes in at help at the insurancelawyer.ca. Says my wife is in remission from breast cancer. She's uh, still very weak, but her LTD case manager is already talking about her going back to work. And gets aggressive when my wife says that she's not ready yet. At what point does my wife need to go back to work? Her oncologist wants her to keep resting. You know, this is really, it enrages me when I hear this. You know, you have somebody who's going through something like cancer, and I know this from personal experience, from family experience. It's an absolutely terrible disease. And the last thing that these poor people need is for the insurance adjuster to be knocking at the door, to be calling or emailing and adding so much stress, which, by the way, is hampering her ability to get better. So it's actually, it's, it's counterintuitive because in a way, many times insurance companies, when they put this pressure, when they apply this pressure, they're creating a worse situation. They're, they're uh, making, make, making it so that the person can't go back to work where otherwise perhaps they could have. Uh, so Len, my suggestion is this, uh, get in touch with me after the show. Let me deal with the adjuster directly. We don't have to file a claim here because she hasn't been cut off, but at least let me communicate with the adjuster and get that adjuster off your back and off your wife's back. Now, to answer your question, when uh, does your wife need to start uh, looking at going back to work? Well, the answer to that is dependent on two things. When she feels ready to go back and when her uh, treating specialist, the oncologist, says she's ready. If one of these things, one of these two items, it, it, the answer is not uh, positive, meaning she doesn't feel that she's ready or the oncologist doesn't think she's ready, she should not be going back. It's that simple. Her health comes first. And if the adjuster is making any threats, make sure you call me. Let me deal with the adjuster. You're not going to get any more phone calls. Remember, as soon as I get involved, they're not allowed to talk to you directly. They have to go through me. And just that, John, I can tell you is a huge, huge relief for people. Another website you should be made aware of, fightformyltd.com. We'll uh, take care of that after a short break, 416-216-5910. That is Savan's number. And more emails coming up. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca on the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. 416-216-5910 is the number, and he's checking his email right now as I sit here. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca is the address. Tell me a little bit about uh, fightformyltd.com as well. This one's newer than uh, the injury calculator. It is. It is newer, and it's, again, amazing because it's been used since it's been launched uh, a few weeks back. It's just been used nonstop. And what it is is it's a very simple website. It gives you some information about LTD, some myths, uh, some of the common excuses that we see insurance companies give when they cut off or deny people with legitimate claims for LTD. But more importantly, on the right side of the screen, there is a button there where you can click if you want to find out if you have a case. And all it does is it asks you uh, five simple questions. Uh, And those questions are questions you would know, questions such as, you know, when were you cut off uh, LTD? Do you have medical support for your LTD? Very simple questions that otherwise I would be asking you on the phone or by email. And based on those five questions, I can tell you if you have a case or not. Sometimes I'll ask you for some more information, but those basic five questions give me uh, the basic information I need to assess. And this is why I keep telling people that, look, when you call me or email me, 
we're not going to be spending three hours on the phone. This is not one of those cases. It's not difficult to assess. For you as a layperson, as the person who is under disability, who's getting all these forms, and you know you get lost in the paperwork and you see the bureaucracy of the insurance company, you think to yourself, oh my God, how can anyone take on the insurance company? It's not that difficult. In fact, it's not difficult at all. You just have to make sure that you go to someone who that's what they do. And so when you come to me, me and my team, we level the playing field because we understand the same laws that the insurance company uh, understand and are governed by. Remember, the insurance company is not above the law. They have to obey the law. When they enter into a settlement, when they pay out the claim, when I represent someone, Mm -hmm. it's not because they want to give that money away. Remember, they would have cut off or denied the person. That's why the person came to me in the first place. So why is it that I have a case where they tell my, uh, my, my, my client that uh, they're not entitled to any more disability payments, and, and yet seven, eight months down the road, suddenly we settle the claim for $300,000. How does that happen? What, the insurance company just decides out of the goodness of their heart to pay? No. It's because they understand that they don't really have a choice. The choice is between doing what's fair or litigating this and getting to a point where they're going to lose a lot more money. That's all. And this is, uh, you know, it's a common misconception people have that you can't do anything. You can't fight back against an insurance company. Oh, yes, you can. The number 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Let's get to a, an email from Gail in Aurora. says, my friend and I were at the movies last fall and there was a soda spill that my friend slipped on. She, uh, she fell on her side, tore her shoulder, broke her wrist. She hasn't gone back to work yet. The theater offered her $100 worth of gift certificates, but I told her not to accept that. She's still in therapy. What should I do? I took a photo of the spill. The uh, movie wasn't very good. Actually, that's, that, that part wasn't <laughs> that's it. Just I, I just added okay. that in. So what right. do you do? $100, bucks, smart not to take the gift certificates. Very, very smart. So, Gail, you did a bunch of excellent things here as a, as a friend. And, and, you know, I keep saying uh, on the show as well that, you know, It's not just the people who are injured and who are disabled that I'm talking to. I'm talking to the public as a whole because every person knows someone who has been in an accident or is on long-term disability and needs needs this information. So please provide this information to them. Uh, you know, again, they don't have to come to me. I, I'd be happy to help them, but as long as they get the information and they understand what their rights are. So let's analyze this case, Gail. Uh, your friends were at the movies, and there was a soda spill uh, on on the floor, and and she fell on it. So clearly, she injured herself pretty badly. I mean, you know, yeah. a torn shoulder that's that's bad. Oftentimes, that requires surgery to repair. Uh, she broke her wrist again, very very uh, severe injury, uh, and oftentimes leads to arthritis, ulcerative arthritis, etc. And she hasn't even gone back to work yet. Now, the fact that the theater offered her the gift certificates. It's excellent that she did not accept it because if she did, it could be argued that she had agreed to forfeit her rights. There's still an argument Just there that she did Just for those certificates, but, really? But, but, but it doesn't help. It, it, exactly. Yeah. It doesn't help. I mean, you know, we can probably get around that unless yeah. she would have signed a release, yeah. right? Which I tell people never, ever yeah. do without a lawyer. Uh, but $100? Holy cow. I mean, that's I, one movie. That's, 
a hundred dollars is is absolutely it's nothing. It's and, and you know it's it's and this is not unusual. Yeah. You go into department stores and you get injured. Oftentimes yeah. they'll recognize that they're at fault, and oftentimes they will offer you some yeah. credits. Here's a George Foreman grill if you walk away now. Right? <laughs> well, you seem to have experience in this, John. <laughs> That's right. Uh, no, never ever accept this. I mean, just based on what she wrote here, what Gail wrote here, a broken wrist, a torn shoulder, can go back to work. Oh. I'm telling you right now that assuming there is liability on the theater, which I would assume there is, except that we would want to see what the maintenance logs are like. When did the spill happen potentially? I'd like to see a photo, which is well, great has. that she has. Yeah, fantastic. She took a photo. This is easily a claim that could that could get over a hundred grand. I mean, easy, easy. Hmm. Again, I would need to have more facts, but just on these facts, it's a very serious claim. So compare this: a hundred thousand dollars to one hundred dollars right. on gift certificates. And you know, John Gill wrote to us, but how many people out there do you think are unaware of this and said, okay, yeah, sure, I'll take that. You know know what's common as well? What's common as well is for somebody to get injured and then for the at-fault party to offer to pay for the rehabilitation. Like let's say you're going to a massage therapist or a chiropractor. Let's say you have three grand worth of expenses. You're not aware that your torn shoulder or broken knee or broken back is you know under the law that you should be getting compensated in the tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars or or even more you simply assume that well listen if you're offering to pay for my rehab yeah i'll take that three thousand dollars and it's only when they learn that their rights are much greater than what they've accepted you know that you know they 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 don't just feel bad they they just you know they're shocked they're absolutely yeah. shocked so may make sure that you know Gail your friend contacts me you did the right thing by writing to us I'm sure there's a lot of people in your friend's position let's help her next up is the phone call Gail that's four one six two one six fifty nine ten check out fightformyltd.com or the injury calculator at injurycalculator.ca more the insurance and injury law show coming right up talk radio AM six forty. 416-216-5910. That is the number to get a hold of Savannah. And the email is help at the insurancelawyer.ca. Brad Belleville writes in, says, I've been on LTD, long-term disability, for just under two years. And the doctor I saw from the insurance company a month ago said that I should get better with uh, certain treatments. But my doctor, my doctor, doesn't agree with those treatments. My adjuster keeps telling me that I have to do the treatments it's doctor, doctor recommended or I'll get cut off. What should I do? All right. Well, Brad, you should follow your doctor's advice. And this is something, again, that I see often where the insurance company's medical assessor will provide recommendations. So so, so let, let's back up for a second. So what's happened here is that Brad has been seen by a doctor on behalf of the insurance company. Right. And if the insurance company doctor is Which, saying, by the way, you have to do if they request it, right? You do. Okay. Yes, you do. Exactly. But you know, in this case, what appears to have happened is that that doctor has made certain recommendations for treatments. So that tells me that that doctor diagnosed Brad with certain impairments, with limitations, which is a good thing. It right. means that that doctor is not saying that Brad it's is fine. able- Exactly. So that's already a good, that's a positive step. What I would do in that situation, Brad, is that I would give that doctor's report to my doctor and I would rec- request that my doctor uh, answer in writing, actually do not a rebuttal report, but do uh, just just an answer, a, a just write down whether or not he or she agrees with the insurance doctor's recommendations and why. So that if down the road you decide not to follow the insurance doctor's recommendations because your doctor says not to, 
at least you have medical backing. It's not you who's making that choice, really. It's you following your doctor's advice and opinion. And if it's between your doctor who's been treating you and the insurance doctor who has been seeing, who's seen you probably once for half an hour, an hour, or whatever it is, most likely your doctor's opinion will trump, okay? Most likely that's what's going to happen. So if I'm you, Brad, I would follow what my doctor says. But of course, you want to make sure that to the extent that there are any treatments that the insurance doctor is recommending that you think you ought to be doing, you should be doing them, right? Now, I don't like the fact that the adjuster is threatening to cut you off. That's a red flag for me. It tells me that they are gearing up to do something bad here, to cut you off potentially. So the two things I want you to do are are, uh, these. Number one, make sure that your doctor actually provides a written report to the adjuster explaining why he or she disagrees with the recommendations of the insurance doctor. And number two, I want to make sure that you're protected. Call me. Let me write the adjuster. Again, no charge to you telling your adjuster that if they cut you off on the basis of what we're looking at here, right, uh, that uh, they're going to get a claim on their desk the next day. And there is a very strong likelihood that that's going to make that adjuster back off because the last thing that adjuster wants to do is to instigate a claim where they have to hire a defense lawyer and then they have to pay big bucks to you down the road. So do those two things, and I think you'll be okay. 416-216-5910. Anytime the show is on or over, that's the number you want to use, and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Got, to, I think, time for, uh, for Eric in here from Collingwood. It says, two weeks ago, my wife slipped on an icy walkway by a local food store, broke her ankle. She had surgery and had screws put in. She's in a lot of pain and can't go back to her job. She's a ski instructor. Hello. Uh, can we get compensation for the income our family is losing? Uh, yeah, 100% you can, absolutely. But of course, the first thing we need to do is we need to figure out why uh, the, the, the walkway was icy. What exactly did the food store do or not do? Did they have a proper winter maintenance program? Did they hire a right. contractor to take care, a third party, right, that did not do their job? So first of all, we have to look at that. Secondly, she's a ski instructor. I mean, skiing, my gosh. And you need your ankles like for that. Exactly. And I'm not even sure if she'll be able to go back. Yeah. I don't know what the prognosis is. I don't know how old she is. Uh, so 100%, if there's liability, if there's responsibility on the food store uh, or on a third-party contractor or a management company, their insurance companies, trust me, they are going to be very concerned with significant compensation to you and your wife because it's not only the income that you're use, uh, losing, it's, it's whatever rehabilitation expenses you may have uh, that you don't have any health benefits for. Uh, it's the pain and suffering that she's experienced, which, by the way, you can go to the injurycalculator.ca to figure out what that range is going to be. And, and, you know, it's a whole uh, slew of other types of, of categories of compensation. Perhaps you're entitled to compensation under the Family Law Act. Uh, perhaps the kids. You know, very, very important. So give me a call after the show. Let's chat about this. Let's meet face-to-face, and I'll tell you exactly what all the options are and what you and your wife need to do. You didn't get your email uh, on the air today. You can keep sending them. We'll get to more on our next show, the number 416-216-5910. Anytime you need to get a hold of Savannah, that email address again is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. You want to find out what your uh, your injury could be worth for pain and suffering, go to injurycalculator.ca, and there's always fightformyltd.com. A lot of websites, a lot of resources out there for you. Till next time, the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640.